Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion team. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is Bustin' Loose Baseball with Grant and Danny. Interviews, analytics, and analysis on everything baseball in the nation's capital. Uh, but you mentioned some rule changes, and this is a good transition into yeah. that. Because I think the rule changes, if nothing else, are going to make for a lot more stolen bases in Major League Baseball next year. So let's get the easy one out of the way first. They're making the bases three inches bigger. Mm-hmm. Who cares? No one will notice on TV, but, you know, think of a bang-bang play. Yeah. It's easier to hold the bag if it's bigger of the run, of a runner. Base. You know, think about when guys are out now. It's, yeah, when, some, when the tag beats them, they're out. But typically now, what happens on a stolen base, I would say typically, oftentimes, the guy steals the bag for a hundred some odd years. He's been safe. Well, now a fraction of an inch is created between him and the bag. He doesn't hold it the whole time. They hold the tag down. You put the the earphones on, and they go, "Well, he let, lost contact with the base. He's out." Now it's going to be a little bit easier. I was talking to Corey Lee this week, who's a catcher in the Astros system at uh, Sugarland in PCL uh, AAA level, and uh, he got called up to the big leagues and, and played in. Some games this year at the major league level. He got 12 games and about 25 at-bats with the best team in the American League. And he was telling me how when he got called up from the minors to the majors, it was so obvious how much smaller the bases were. He's like, if you're on field level, walking around with your credential or whatever, you would totally notice that the bases are bigger. He said, but for the average fan, it's just not going to be a thing. But so whatever, that that separate that. If if it's safer, if there's less fewer collisions, that's all well and good. The other two, though, are the shift is being banned, and most notably, the electronic pitch clock is coming to baseball. So let's go pitch clock first. I think what's going to happen is you're going to have a lot more steals, because with the pitch clock, presumably, is going to be the throwover rule, which means you can only throw over twice. If you throw over a third time, you're allowed to, but you must get the runner out, which is such a low percentage chance that basically you're saying that you're not going to get the runner out, and then it's a balk, and they'd automatically be awarded the bag anyway. So because what I see in the minor leagues, and I've seen this a bunch this year, is if there's a couple of throws over to first, now I put a play on, or I just start running, or I just take a 25-foot lead, so you have to throw over. And if I have a 25-foot lead, it's curtains for you. I'm already getting that bag if I have any speed at all. So 
This will be great for your C.J. Abrams types at the big league level, your Victor Robleses, if you will. I think you'll see more stolen bases next year than we've seen in a long, long time. So I think this is necessary. I think it's the right thing to do. Growing up, I wouldn't have. I do now, though. I mean, you, you see what sports are faced with. You see what television is faced with. You see what viewership is. You simply cannot have the downtime. It works in other sports. It works in the NFL. Between plays, there's 30, 40 seconds. We don't complain about that because we're still analyzing the play before. Now we're caught up. Play comes in, and you've got kind of the built-in drama. The baseball, where everybody's doing nothing, and then bats can go by where nothing happens, I think is uh, um, just it's not congruent with the way viewership is at this point. We just can't wait. It used to be the ultimate spectator sport. Between innings, you get your beer, you go to the bathroom, you sit back down. It's just not that way anymore. You're competing with too much. It simply has to speed up. Players are going to grouse about it. Hitters need to go through their 20-second routines of deep breath, flex this muscle, turn this way, adjust your batting glove. That's out. Pitchers who step off, work around the rosin bag, wipe this sweat off, touch this, touch that. That's out. Get the ball and throw it. I think that's essential. It's going to be uncomfortable, but... I think it's something that needs to happen. So my only concerns would be, and, and you're talking now specific to the pitch clock itself, right? And my only issues are they did bump up the time given in the minor leagues versus what will be in the major leagues by a couple of seconds. So it'll be 20 seconds, I think, with a runner on and 17 or whatever with, with nobody on base or something similar to that. I I don't ever want in a big spot, the drama between a pitcher who is empty in the tank and an, a, a star hitter who is enjoying the moment as the gladiator in the center of the arena, so to speak, to, to be taken away from by the clock. And I'll use two Nats as an example because this is you know, a podcast with mostly Nats fans. Neither of them are still with the team. But if you have a Scherzer versus a Soto at bat in the eighth inning of a game in a big spot in September or something where Scherzer's empty in the tank and Soto's doing his shuffle, that's great drama. That's incredible television. Part of going to the game, part of falling in love with Soto or falling in love with Max, part of why you pay to see these guys is you want to see Scherzer walk around the mound with that luggage under his arm. You want to see Soto do his shuffle. I mean, these are real elements to these guys, the, the fabric of the characters that they become, that they play on television, so to speak. So I don't want to take away from what you get from those players in big moments based on the clock. I also never want a inning or a, a run or a big spot determined by the clock. And if neither of those things happen ever, or or let's just say even if they happen very, very rarely, then fine. When I go to minor league games, I don't notice this very often. I You know, I've seen balls assessed or strikes assessed, but it, it's very rarely in a huge spot. And I'm, I'm not watching Scherzer. I'm not watching Soto. So it's fine. But I want... Juan Soto to be himself. I want him to to go through whatever routine he wants to. I want the at-bat to be dramatic and tense, and I want the buildup of tension. And so I do worry a little bit about that romanticism, and I know I'm a nerd, but I I need that not affected. I, I hear that, and it's a very valid complaint. I don't know how to fix it. 
I don't, I'm not smart enough to know. I, I'd like to my, keep it, my too. My guess is that, you know, hopefully it's not going to be overly affected, but I, I don't know. And I, the juice to me is worth the squeeze for the most part, but not if I'm losing that element. I hear you. Because that's great for for everyone watching. And that's the drama that, that you need, that you, those national baseball telecasts, when you've got the marquee matchup, you, you want that hitter versus pitcher drama in, in those huge moments. Maybe not in the you know top of the third. That's baseball. But like, that's, that's baseball. That's essential. That's yeah. like, I'm standing here, and eventually you got to come to me. There, totally. There's no teammate that can help you. You can't run the other way You're or both throw on to islands. another totally. side of the field. You versus me eventually will wait all day if we have to. I'm with you. Uh, to me, and and I want to, and this brings me to shifts ultimately as well. What I want to address is these are, you know, you know when you get a cold. Now you don't get sick very often, but everyone else does. You get a cold when you take a pill. You're not treating the cold. You're treating some of the symptoms. The essential thing that is not being fixed here, when then, and and this is what leads me to shifts, and what leads me, uh, you know, to sort of address this pitch clock part of it is. Major League Baseball wants games to go faster, and they want more action, which is not quite, you know, uh, feeding out of the same trough. They can be in well, conflict. I don't think it's a time of game. They want more action. Well, they want the time of game to go down, too. And that's what well, everybody yes, talks about. Yes, they would about. prefer that. But I, I think they would take games that are two minutes longer if there's eight more minutes of action. If there's action. I think, I, uh, fair enough. To me, this is just a, these are just a couple of symptoms of the real issue. The real issue is pitching is too good. The real issue is guys throw too hard. The real issue is stuff is too nasty. Banning the shift, that's all well and good. What should have happened in eras before of baseball is if you put five guys on one side of the field, you could just, you know, Tony Gwynn a ground ball somewhere or bunt them. It's too hard to do that. It's too hard. And guys are not going to waste precious swings and precious moments of contact when it's harder than it's ever been to make contact on anything less than their A hack. And they shouldn't. Because you don't get paid for for a, a, a smacked or a, a slapped ground ball in the five point five hole. You get paid for hitting it over the fence, and so these all these things that people say they want, well, also, they've now given said, up trying. It's hard to do. It's, it's I mean, beyond hard to do. These people, I love this. Like, just hit it the other way. You go hit it the other way. <laughs> yeah, seriously. That dude's throwing ninety nine, and he's got a wipeout slide piece. This isn't batting practice where I can just, okay, I'm taking one to left and center and right because some 67-year-old coach is throwing the ball 58. Yeah, there's there, there are a handful of dudes could do that. Like, each row in his prime can do that. How many of those do they make? You know, freaks of nature like that who, who can start running the first while they're swinging. Okay. But, so and none of these— And long-levered, you know, normally, like left-handed big-time pool power bats, the guys that are being shifted against for the most part— they're not like bat control. These aren't right. generally hit tool guys that are 300 hitter yeah. types. The same way Greg Maddox doesn't make it to the major leagues now because of what we're looking for in terms of, I say we, what teams are looking for. The same way, you know, uh, hit tool Harry, who's not going to hit for any power, didn't make it to the big leagues. You know, it's just, it's not that way anymore. So the central core issue is not solved. It's a couple band-aids here and there. It's nice, I suppose, and and the shift has really adversely affected mo- more lefties than anybody else. I mean, you look at the number of tracer, line drive, pulled balls that are base hits for 150 years that are now outs. Okay, you know, that's that's benefiting guys like Juan Soto and company, and, and I think that's all well and good. But to me, it doesn't change the essential question and problem, and that is pitching is too good, velocity is too much. Breaking balls are too nasty. We know too much about pitching right now for hitters to do anything other than what they're doing. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, 
celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Well, to that point, so I was talking to someone who covers baseball really well recently. And they had talked to, I won't say who, because uh, I don't know that it was on the record or not, but but a super plugged in person on this. And a baseball person. And... The idea that they had told them was, we're not convinced, based on all the numbers that we've run, that this is going to fix anything. Like, everyone has come up with, like, this common sense idea that, you know, all these guys are hitting for a worse average because you see all the times where they hit it basically into the shift. But is that going to make a massive difference? Is it going to be negligible? Are there going to be more runs per game? I mean, they've run a lot of numbers on this, and they're not convinced that's the case. Now, if batting averages go up, you know, because I, I don't care a lot about batting averages for individual players anymore. But from a, a collective, like, of the league, if the batting average goes up X amount of points, that's a big, big deal. But, you know, there are other reasons why no one can hit. Look at the number of pitchers a guy like Juan Soto or Aaron Judge faces now in a season compared to what Ruth and Maris and Mantle and these guys faced. Babe Ruth would face the same dude five times in a game, right? Some <laughs> who's throwing 87 miles an hour <laughs> when he's maxing out in the first inning. And by the end of the game, he's down to Can 82. Can we say that on our podcast? I'm not Do we have sure. to bleep that? I don't know. I'll tell Darius to bleep it. Yeah, what to you, give him a time cue. <laughs> 82 miles an hour in the final inning, and it's like the fifth yeah, plate appearance. Totally. Now, it's still amazing what Babe Ruth did, but your point is 100% correct. It's every but, but metric Juan Soto makes it harder fancy. now. At the beginning of this yes. season, I remember a stat where he had, it was something crazy, like 60 at-bats, 33 pitchers or something. Totally. Because pitchers were going to the start of this year without the, the full spring training, like four innings at a time, three innings at a time. So he might get them twice. Then he was getting different reliever every single time. That's so much harder than facing the same uh, ham and egger, you know, five times, who in and of himself isn't as nasty It's not even as close. Again, stuff is better than it's ever been. Yes. We've, we have engineered these pitchers in labs. And it's led, as a corollary, the guys that don't make it to more injuries than there's ever been before. Teenagers are getting Tommy John. I have a whole soapbox that I'm able to do. It's probably one off-season podcast where you could put the mic down, and I'll, I'll do my, uh, the way it used to be, you played multiple sports. I'll do my old guy lecture, and, and ones of people will, will listen to it. But we grow these dudes in a lab. So to me, if the stated goal is more balls in play, and that means more action, this doesn't fix that. Now, some of the balls that are already being hit, yes, they're again, especially lefties, are being robbed of of you know a, a, a base hit every two or three games. I think that statistically will matter over the whole of 162 games. So the people that say it'll, it won't have a, any effect at all, I don't buy that. I don't think it's the effect that Major League Baseball thinks it's going to have. That's my assessment of it. it. It'll improve a couple things. So you'll well, see a couple ticks it. up in batting average. To I hate me, it because you're dictating yeah. terms to teams. You're penalizing them for information. You know, this started with smart teams doing this, and then everyone followed. I don't like the precedent of telling the smart teams that they can't be smart. 
you know, that they can't use Intel analytics to, to, to give themselves the best chance possible. So I, I don't like it. Here's my big question on this. Okay. This was posed to me by someone at the minor league level. I've bounced this off a couple buddies of mine in the big leagues, and I've gotten mixed reviews on it, so I'm intrigued now officially. Do you think anybody takes their third outfielder, say your left fielder, and positions them where the second baseman stands now? So in other words, Bryce Harper or Joey Gallo is a great example. Joey Gallo's at the plate, the ultimate shift guy. You're, you're, the rules say you have to be to, you know, uh, heels on the dirt, two on the each side. The insiders do. Exactly. There are no rules on alignment for outfield. Could you pull your left fielder and position them exactly where now in shallow right field the second baseman is that's taking so many of these hits away? Because the, the first thought is, well, that's genius. Why wouldn't you do that? But the problem is you are risking... A double. A triple on a, a, on a pop-up. Well, yeah, exactly. A triple if a guy doesn't have speed. If they do have speed, maybe a home run. You're, you're risking an extra bag doing that. And there's also something to be said. My buddy, actually, Kyle Gibson, who pitches for the Phillies, said this to me. I thought it was really smart. He said, if you look at the numbers, I, I would guarantee that on average, the guys who never pull the ball on the ground, or excuse me, never go the other way on the ground that you, you shift for, almost all have a much higher percentage of fly balls the other way. And there's a reason for that. So you're, if, you're, if your bat gets beat, right, if you, you know, something gets in on you, if you're out in front, most of the times you're underneath the ball uh, when you're out in front, and, and that can lead to, you know, sort of squibbers or, or lazy fly balls that way. There's a million and one reasons for that, just the way bat paths work. So, yeah, but somebody's going to do that, like, in a clutch t- situation, right, where you got to cut the runoff at home or something to that effect, where they're going to dare a guy to try to get out of his swing and, and do something different. But I think it's a factor. So two things I wanted to bring up about this super quick. One person, one of my actually one of my old teammates, said, "Here's why he does think the pitch clock actually matters toward, towards this discussion. Think about now the relievers that are so max effort, right? They're throwing a hundred. Everybody does. They're taking their time in between. They're gathering themselves, taking their 25, 30 seconds so they can hump up and, and go max effort. If you've got to hurry up and deliver the ball, th- that's going to take its toll on you a little bit more." That's a little bit harder to do that. So maybe that helps with ball and play a little bit. Want to get your take on that. The other thing, and this is my hot take controversial thing. I I wouldn't do this necessarily, but if the stated goal is to put the ball in play, I'm lowering the mound, I'm moving the rubber back six inches. I do that today. If that's the goal, is the ball in play, I'm going to help the ball be in play. This other stuff to me is window dressing. Those are my two things that I want your want your opinion on. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. I mean, that's. I don't want all of this extreme stuff necessarily. I'm kind of fine with where it's at. I mean, if we're if we have to make changes for more offense, um, I'm not tinkering with the mound yet because I need a lot more research on how that's going to affect arms. You know, moving the mound back. Guys have trained one way for a long time. Six inches, I don't think, would make a difference really anyway. Um, but if it's a foot, we saw them tinker with that in the minor leagues. The results weren't really different that I that I noticed. Um, but some guys did say f- from an arm standpoint that they fatigued quicker. Mm-hmm. One thing I did hear from a couple pitchers is, and I don't know if this is backed up by enough facts yet. They're still doing a lot of research. But that the pitch clock did affect a lot of relievers that mm-hmm. throw gas because they don't have as much recovery time between pitches. And so if you come in blowing cheddar, max effort, and you're 99, 99, 100, 101, 99, 99, 
you just think about it. If you're doing that every 10 or 11 seconds, as opposed to every 22 or it's 23 a, People seconds. don't know the the, the, the explosion and exactly. the effort it takes, yeah. I mean, just think about it in, in, in your own life, whatever the comp would be, right? If you if you don't have 10 seconds more between reps, like how much quicker you might fatigue, that's been a real thing, and they think maybe it's leading to some arm issues. So I don't know if baseball has done enough research on any of this stuff is, is another problem I have. I'm, I'm not sure if their number one priority is always the health or if it's just – Hey, let's try to make some things mm-hmm. happen that could lead to to a more successful way of of us kind of being viewed.